Welcome in to Please Bear With Me with your host, Travis Corley, and I am so excited to be back on the mic talking Baylor football. Took a few weeks off there, uh, but, but there was still a lot of news to come out, and we've got a lot to cover today. We're going to talk about it all. The transfer portal is hot. We've got an early signing day coming up here on Wednesday. We've got a bowl game coming up here on Thursday. We've got decommits. We've got commits. We've even got breaking news as Jordan Scruggs, 247 Sports and Bears Illustrated recruiting analyst joins us today. So much news. So let's get to it. Please bear with me. Welcome in once again to Please Bear With Me with your host, Travis Corley. Pretty pumped about this episode. Back to be with you guys. We got a big week in Baylor football coming up here with early signing day. We've got some transfer portal stuff happening as it will continue to happen and be just as crazy as ever. Like I mentioned, Jordan Scruggs, Bears Illustrated recruiting analyst, going to be joining us here shortly. But we have got some news to get to. But before that, my Christmas. We got we got to talk about my Christmas. And I and I hope everyone is having a, a happy holiday season. I know I am. We've definitely um, one of my favorite things to do is go out and see all the lights. You know, so we have not been around, you know, just like the neighborhoods in Waco to see the lights, but we've been to Blora down in Belton. If you have if you have not been to Blora, the, the lights on Lake Belton, absolutely beautiful. It's like twenty bucks a car. So, you know, fill up your car with four people. It's five bucks a person. It takes you about 45 minutes to get through, and it, it, it's fantastic. I uh, recommend that you show up kind of right as it's opening because that thing will will get stacked up. Uh, but Blora, absolutely beautiful. And then last night, we went out to Cameron Park Zoo, and we saw those lights. Also, a, a very fun time. Uh, a bunch of food trucks out there. I got myself a hot tea. Yeah. That's that was not what you were expecting me to say, but yeah, I got myself a hot Earl Grey tea. It was pretty good, um, but yeah, I highly recommend both of those spots to hit up if if you're looking for Christmas lights and and certainly hope that everyone is is uh, you know having a good holidays because it, it, it's uh, it's coming up here and before we get to Christmas though we've got we've got bowl games and we've got we've got early signing day and and speaking of bowl games. Uh, I want to get this out uh, on the forefront. If you are a veteran or active duty man or men or women, whoever, uh, free tickets are available, and, I, and I'll shoot out that link again uh, tonight. But you are able to claim four free tickets if you are a veteran or active duty for this Armed Forces Bowl, which I think is is pretty sweet and uh, something you, that that you should take advantage of. Regardless of uh, how the weather's going to be, which which we'll get into later in the program, but all Big Twelve honors, yeah, it, it's been that long since I've been on. Uh, we've got five guys here to uh, to highlight: Apuika, of course, a first team all defense; Connor Galvin, of course, first team offensive lineman. And those were our only t- two first teamers. Not really a shocker with those two guys making the first team. Second team honors, excuse me. We've got Al Walcott, second team defense, Grant Miller, second team offense, and then this is the 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 creme de la creme, the the really exciting one that caught me off guard, um, and it shouldn't have. But Dylan Doyle, second team all defense, second team all offense, and I believe that that is the first time in Big Twelve history that a player has made the first uh, that that a player has made a defensive and offensive all Big 12 team. Um, we, we've heard that Dylan Doyle, uh, he, he grades out as a fullback at the pro level. So I'm kind of hoping he's going to end up there at, in uh, in San Francisco with the 49ers, uh, with Baltimore, uh, with teams like that that are going to actually utilize their 
their fullbacks. So pretty excited for Dylan Doyle. Um, so yeah, those five guys getting getting those those Big Twelve honors. And let's roll right into kind of the the shocking news for me, uh, most shocking news for me. Uh, Baylor moving on from defensive coordinator Ron Roberts. Uh, not as surprising was also letting go of Ronnie Wheat, safety and special teams coach. Struggled in those two areas all year, um, and and really kind of struggled there on defense. And fr- from what I've heard, um, the move from Ron Roberts was not um, more heavily leaning towards the culture fit than it was the X's and O's. You know, remember that uh, Ron Roberts and Dave Randra, very close, very close friends. Uh, Ron Roberts is the was the mentor of Dave Aranda. They've coached together for, for quite a long time, and I can only imagine how difficult of a conversation that had to be between the two but Ron Roberts is moving on now to Auburn. So uh, good for Coach Roberts. I'm, I'm happy for him that he landed somewhere so quickly and, and now in the SEC. So exciting exciting things for him coming up and also some exciting things coming up for Baylor. So who are, who are we looking at here? Who are our, our top candidates? And I can tell you that these are basically just for me <laughs> looking at Coaches that um, have crossed paths um, at whatever school with Dave Aranda. Um, I have no insider knowledge on if we've reached out to these people. So take this with a grain of salt. This is just Travis's fun list that he put together um, when he was bored. And I, I, I think the, the, at the top of the list, and actually he's my second name on the list, and I'll tell you why here at the end, is Jim Leonard. That is, that is the hot name in defensive coordinating coaching at the moment. Not going to return to Wisconsin. He took over as the interim head coach at Wisconsin. A lot of people thought he was in line to become their official head coach. But as we all know, that has not happened. So Jim is going to be moving on. Um, I don't really foresee him going to like a... He might go to a G5 head coaching job, but he's definitely out for a head coaching job at some point. I just don't know if it's going to happen this year, uh, given that the jobs that have kind of already been filled in the Power 5 realm. So if Baylor was to get Jim Leonard, likely would only be for a year or two. And as great as that would be, as great of a coach as he is, you know, I'm not so sure Baylor uh, is going to go that route. I, I think... Aranda is going to want to get someone in there that's going to have some, uh, that's going to stay around, you know, going to stick around for three or four years. Certainly we want our coordinators to move on to head coaching positions. Um, that's, that's a good sign that it, those are good things to happen, you know? So, but definitely want those guys to, to stick around a while, but, uh, don't get me wrong. If, if Baylor goes out and hires Jim Leonard as, as their defensive coordinator, that is a slam dunk, a hundred percent, a slam dunk. I can see both sides as to why or why not. Uh, we would go after Jim. I, I definitely think that we could uh, offer him a good contract for him to come to Baylor, especially with with McGuire uh, being out of the picture now and, and all that money from his contract that we have to play around with. And Jim and Aranda, uh, they studied together. I, I think you know Jim had a a gap year where he was moving from the pros back to back to college. And they studied together uh, during that time. So there is some connect there. Um, Bill Bush, safety and special teams coordinator at Nebraska. Their their paths have also crossed quite a bit, actually. They've coached together uh, while Dave Aranda uh, was a defensive coordinator. You know, was a defensive coordinator. And uh, he, he will not be returning to Nebraska. And so... Is he in for the defensive coordinator? Uh, likely. I, I, I'm not really sure, but I do think that that would be one to target for our safety and special teams coach here at Baylor. Funny kind of how that's lining up, how he was the safety and special teams at Nebraska, and we just let go of our special teams and safeties coach. Uh, so Bill Bush, I think, is, a, is another name to watch. And then just kind of just going to throw these three names out here. Durante Jones, defensive back uh, coach for the Vikings. Corey Raymond is an assistant head coach um, and defensive coordinator. And 
excuse me, not defensive coordinator, assistant head coach D and cornerbacks coach at Florida and Tim Tibasar, a defensive coordinator, linebacker coach at Akron. And Tim is, is a younger guy. Actually, all three of those guys are, are, are kind of younger guys have crossed, crossed paths with, with Aranda, whether uh, mainly at LSU, but those are all guys that, that coach Aranda has relationships with that um, would not be shocked if they're making the call. But again, do not take these to heart. I have no insider knowledge whatsoever at what's happening. So I kind of put Jim Leonard at two, Bill Bush at three, and then the, the, those other three guys, Dronte Jones, Corey Raymond, Tim Tibisar, and I don't know how to say his last name, so I apologize, um, are kind of just like on, on a tier on their own. But as we all know, uh, Baylor and Mac Rhodes are so good, so good at keeping this thing closed and no information leaking out. So whatever conversations they've been having with with coaches on the side, um, it's not going to get leaked. Like there's a 99% chance it's not going to get leaked unless it's from the other coaches' perspective, which I don't see happening because um, most of these coaches are still coaching at the moment. So likely going to happen after after their bowl games go. And I was hoping we would get a defensive coordinator in very quickly, kind of after the switch was made because of this early signing period because of the transfer portal opening up so quickly after the regular season ended. We've seen two guys, I, I think even three guys from our, our defense decommit from this class. So I don't know if that's up to, you know, because of the uh, defensive coordinator position not being filled at Baylor, who knows, but hey, it, it is what it is. And, and the reason that I think Jim Litter is number two is because I I think our number one option is for Dave Aranda. Yes, we have we have one of the best defensive coordinators in the nation in our head coach, Coach Dave Aranda, to take over the defense. And I know that he has talked about, I don't think it's likely, because I know he's talked about when he moved from LSU to Baylor, LSU is all football all the time. And being a head coach at Baylor, certainly he's involved in the football aspect, but not as game. Uh, what am I trying to say? Not, I mean, he's not going to be as heavily involved in like watching tape and, and putting up a defensive game plan as he was at LSU. But he is calling the plays for our defense against Air Force. He is taking over those responsibilities. And I'm really hoping that when he does that, he is going to fall back in love with it. Not that he's out of love with it, but he's going to remember how fun it is to come up with the defensive game plans, to, to be the one calling the plays, and that he'll say, hey, you know what? I think I'm just going to do this for us. You know what? I'm just going to do this next season. I don't think it's likely. I think it would be awesome, and I think it's our number one choice. But again, don't think that is going to happen. And you know what? I think that is a good time to bring on our buddy, Jordan Scruggs, Bears Illustrated Recruiting Analyst. Baylor fans, very excited to welcome recruiting analyst for Bears Illustrated, Jordan Scruggs. The recruiting uh, train is getting... Uh, it's going and going, so I couldn't think of a better time to bring to bring Jordan on and talk about this recruiting class, talk about the transfer portal. That's going to be huge this this year. So, Jordan, welcome. How are we feeling? Not too bad. Uh, we got one of my favorite days of the year coming up on Wednesday, signing day. We're less than 48 hours away, so. Heck, yeah. Uh, you know, Early nothing better day. than Flipmas, I guess. Yeah, Flipmas, right? Flipmas, right? Uh, man, and you know what? Let's dive in right there because today I saw some um, really um, intriguing news and worrisome news for Baylor fans. Uh, we, we've been hyped about Austin Novosad coming to Baylor. Um, he kind of shut down his recruitment here in the last month or two. I know he was looking at some other schools, but someone is, has kind of flipped from Oregon, right? And now Oregon is turning their attention full on Novosad. How, how real is that? Yeah, yeah. Um... You know, it's it's very real. Um, Baylor 
they were able to, you know, get a good eval on him early before everyone else. They do that with a lot of players. Uh, I've noticed my short time covering a Baylor recruiting for 24-7. They were Novosad's first ever offer at a camp. Sean Bell uh, found him really before anyone else gave him his first offer. And uh, they were able to get him to commit the day after signing day of 2021 on December 16th. And since then, you know, it's been kind of a roller coaster. Um, you know, early summer when that rolled around and he started going out to camps at the Elite 11 and even got an Elite 11 national invite where he finished in the as a, as a Elite 11 finalist of, I believe, the 22 or 23 quarterbacks are there in attendance. Um, that's when his stock really rised. Uh, he was a mid-three star. Now he's a top 100 player on by 24-7. He's number 86 in the country, I believe, top 10 quarterback number 15 player in Texas, um, you know, uh, that's a blue chipper right there. And currently he's the number seventh ranked commit uh, Bailey's ever had. Signee, I believe he would be number six, number seven. I'm not sure. Um, need to fact check that. But, I mean, this is, a, this is the crown jewel of this class, icing on the cake. And, you know, this is an instant help to Baylor. You know, if he were to leave the class, it would only be Blake Shapen on scholarship next year if we're not yeah. taking a, a transfer portal quarterback. But with Austin Novosad over the summer, uh, Ohio State entered the mix. Texas A&M entered the mix. Notre Dame entered the mix. He took an official visit to Ohio State, even was hosted by Joe Burrow, turned them down, was a number one option, turned them down. After that, he took a few visits to Texas A&M as well. That was his dream school growing up. His whole bloodline are Aggies, and he even turned them down. Um, took a few unofficial visits there as well and had grown up going to games with season tickets, everything. that It's a whole A&M household, at, uh, the Novosad's household. With Notre Dame, um, they kind of came later than the previous two schools I'd mentioned, but still a blue blood. They had two receivers that he'd grown up with in the Austin area and Jaden Greathouse and uh, Braylon James committed as well. Also both uh, high four stars in the 2023 class. Really did a kind of last second all-out effort to get him um, using, you know, those two talented receivers to try to recruit him and keep uh, keep playing together, I guess, because they kind of yeah. grown up playing together in Pee Wee and Pop Warner 7-on-7. Seven seven. Um, but went up there once, wasn't a huge fan. The whole thought process was if we're going to go this far north, you know, why not go to a place like Ohio State? Ended up uh, – Baylor ended up winning. A lot of that's due to Sean Bell, the relationship he's built from the jump. He was the first person to believe in Austin, first person to offer him. Yeah. Um. In, in my short time covering recruiting, I don't think I've ever seen a relationship between a, a recruit and a coach or a future player and a coach that I've seen between Austin Novosad and Sean Bell, and I've seen it firsthand as well. Wow. Um. Super locked in, super tied together. But with Austin, Baylor was his first offer. His second ever offer is UTSA. It came five days um, after he received the Baylor offer at the camp going into his junior season. It was given to him by Will Stein. Uh, Will Stein had played at Louisville as a quarterback before um, that guy named uh, Teddy Bridgewater came <laughs> along. Um, and then after that, he was a GA, I believe, at Louisville. Um, before join or before coming to the University of Texas with Charlie Strong, whenever Charlie Strong was brought on by the Longhorns, stayed there as a uh, QC, I believe, and then ended up getting a job at Lake Travis High School. It's actually where I attended in Austin. Nice. Um, was the offensive coordinator for Hudson Card, former four-star, current transfer portal quarterback, uh, former Texas Longhorn quarterback. He was uh, the offensive coordinator for him his junior and senior year before uh, getting a job under Jeff Trailer's staff at UTSA when UTSA pulled the trigger on Trailer, Worked his way up from receivers coach to just quarterbacks coach, eventually co-OC and quarterbacks coach. That was his most recent role before getting hired on December 5th by Oregon to be full-time OC. I believe he still retains the quarterbacks coach position um, for the Ducks. He was hired on December 5th. They had lost their – Former offensive coordinator, I believe his name was Kenny Dillingham or Kevin, not sure. I believe it's Kenny. Um, when the Arizona State head coaching job opened after they fired uh, Herb, he had taken over, took that job, and, you know, that left a, a gap at their uh, offensive play calling position. Yeah. And Dillingham was a primary recruiter for Dante Moore. He was the one who offered Dante Moore. And now that Dante Moore has flipped to UCLA, I mean, he'll never be able to replace the number three player in the country once he decommits. Ohio State, Notre Dame, A&M, and yet Novosad, you know, that's three blue bloods right there. Sticks with Baylor. You talk about the relationship 
that should give Baylor fans hope that Novosad's going to stick with Baylor. But what ultimately would flip Novosad up to Oregon? Is it is it relationships there? Is it NIL? Is it, hey, Bo Nix has one more season. I believe he's coming back. Novosad could push for the starting job uh, as a probably a redshirt freshman. Like, like what is it? Yeah, um, you know, a lot of kids in not only just Texas, but America, they grew up watching Oregon, grew up Marcus Mariota. You know, they got the cool uniforms, the number one Nike school pretty much. Um, you know, it's a flashy program. A lot of kids are naturally drawn to immediately. And with Will Stein, uh, he recruited Austin heavily, was the second ever offer at UTSA. UTSA, I feel like, was never really that much realistic with Austin. But, you know, they kept that relationship. It ran hot and cold and December 5th and Will Stein got the job. Austin Ovisad was one of the first people he contacted. He ended up doing an in-home visit on December 12th, I believe, uh, Monday morning with Novosad and his family. That was kind of kept on the down low. We were asked not to report it, but it eventually came out and we've reported it since. Yeah. Um, with that, I mean, the relationship between the two, it's no Sean Bell and Austin Novosad relationship, um, but they are very close. He trusts them. They're kind of from the same area or have lived in the same area for a right. period of time. Um Lake Travis High School, where Will Stein coached at, is only 30 minutes from Dripping Springs High School in the West Austin area. And, you know, at, at Oregon, they have Jurion Dickey, five-star receiver. They have Ashton Kozar, four-star receiver. Both of those guys committed. They've hit the portal hard. Um, got an Alabama receiver in the portal. And, you know, they naturally recruit very well and have a really good, um, you know, program. And they signed a great class last year. And Dan Lanning's first ever year at Oregon. And – you know, on the outside looking in, you know, they they look like a fun team to play for. Um, for sure. So I think he's kind of weighing his options. And yeah, as he should. I think, as he should. Yeah. You know. And, you know, with uh, with the summer, he had Ohio State, Texas A&M, and Notre Dame all knocking down his door. A&M, again, like I mentioned, that was the dream school he grew up rooting for and yeah. attending games at Kyle Field. And he still turned him down. And a lot of that, you know, like I said, is due to the relationship with Sean Bell and he had a whole summer to, you know, try and think about flipping to those programs and he ended up right. coming back to Waco. So, you know, with only 48 hours left to make this decision, you know, time is on the clock and I don't know. I think the, I think the advantage is to Baylor right now, but you know, yeah. you never know come signing that we've seen a lot of crazier things happen. <laughs> um, yeah. You never know. You never know. So, I mean, two days away, so he's got to if he's going to make the flip, he's got to make a quick decision. So certainly that that puts the ball kind of in in Baylor's court or, or in Baylor's favor. Um, and let's talk a little bit more about uh, this 21 recruiting class. Um, we have seen a few decommits here in the past couple of weeks in Corey Huff, uh, three star uh, safety and Torian York, a three star linebacker. Is Baylor looking to add more high schoolers here to this class, or are they going to take those scholarships and maybe go towards the transfer portal with those? Yeah, so we've had some decommits um, this month. Calvin Clements, too, is also one of the guys. Um, he flipped to Kansas. Corey right. York, when you're hearing this now, uh, will be committed to Texas A&M. And Corey Huff, still uncommitted, but he's he'll end up signing somewhere. He's a great player as well. Um, and, you know, with losing those three guys, it always hurts, especially this late in the cycle. But with the incoming 2023 class, they are over the 85 scholarship limit. So, you know, they're working on, um, you know, getting guys in the portal and, you know, guys will enter the portal after the bowl game as well. But uh, the high school class as it stands right now is pretty much full unless a player okay. calls into the, the Baylor Bears coach's laps, says, yeah. I want to come here and they just can't turn them down. Yeah. Besides that happening, or maybe uh, a player is to flip last second and they need that position. Besides those scenarios, uh, the class is full, and the twenty-three or twenty-two high school commits we have right now is those are going to be the guys. Okay, and talking about the transfer portal, let's let's like shift gears here now because. This is like the wildest it's been ever since it opened. Um, I think I saw like 31% of AM's roster is either going to transfer or declare for the NFL draft. And I think it's like over 20 transfers from AM. So like, and they're not the only school, you know, there's going to be a lot of schools here that just have a, uh, a like a 25% roster flip and uh, th things are getting wild. But there is actually a portal window now. You've got 45 days here in the first window starting December 5th 
going up till January 18th, and then a second window later on. How much pressure is this putting on schools now to move quicker now that there's an actual window? Yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of pressure on it, um, especially at, you know, positions where there's only a handful of scholarships, uh, specifically the quarterback position. Um, you know, a lot of those guys announce their intentions uh, ahead of the portal actually opening. So schools have a better idea who's in, who's going to be in the portal and who's not going to be in the portal. Um, and, you know, they can decide whether they want to wait till the portal opens to uh, communicate with them or do it ahead <laughs> yeah. of time. Um, and, you know, it's it's been crazy. The first day of the portal, we had our Portal Palooza show that went from 6 a.m. to 5 p.m. And, you know, there was uh, players entering the portal, leaving the portal all within that time, probably over 100 guys in total. Um, mm. I mean, it's been hectic. This is the first time it's been set windows and not just you can enter the portal whenever. And, I mean, the portal's still a new thing. It's only three years old, I believe. But, um, you know, this is kind of, I guess, the NCAA's first attempt at trying to put rules on it um, or harder rules and making it less loose as it had been the first few years with the windows. And a lot of guys um, with el- with more than a year eligibility left, it seemed the trend was that they would announce before their bowl games if their previous school was to be playing in a bowl game compared to the guys only have maybe one year left, um, you know, trying to improve their stock for their so they can find a better home for their last year of college ball. Um, but with AM, you had mentioned – um, should we go that route? Oh, my bad. Should we go that route? No, let's let's I'm not saying? talk about A and M any longer, man. I just wanted to highlight yeah. how terrible they're doing with all the transfers. Yeah. So well, they yeah. have they have a corner that was on a visit a few days ago. To, oh, here to Baylor. Uh, to Baylor. Yeah. Who, who's that? Uh, Miles Jones. <laughs> He's class of twenty seventeen. Class of twenty seventeen. My goodness, that's gonna be like his yeah. last year of eligibility, up, huh? Yeah, it's his seventh year. Uh, are, how's Baylor looking in in that department? Yeah, so Miles Jones, um, he was originally a safety prospect um, out of Magnolia West, uh, you know, in the state of Texas, class of 2017. I mean, he's been in college for six years. Uh, a big part of the early time he was in college, he wasn't getting on the field because a lot of talent in front of him. Eventually ended up earning a starting spot, I believe, the past three years and just couldn't stay healthy. Um, a lot of injuries below the waist, ACLs, MCLs, I believe, uh, knee injuries, but Entered the portal um, right when it opens in December, and he has one year left to eligibility. Um, a lot of schools, I believe, have an interest in him. I mean, he's a 6'4 corner, 190. Mm. Guys like that don't come around often. Yeah, for they sure. I had him on a visit earlier this week, and, you know, it's definitely something that we're monitoring going forward. Definitely going to have to have to monitor that because uh, defensive back seems to be a, a little bit of a need here uh, for the Baylor Bears. and. Speaking of uh, of Baylor's own transfers, you know, we came in here, I think I think we've got five in the portal, if that's correct. Um, we knew about Seth Jones. We knew about Josh Fleeks. Um, Kyron Drones ends up transferring here to Virginia Tech. Um, that was a, a, a pretty big loss there because, um, hey, we're, if Novosad doesn't flip, <laughs> we're only going to have two scholarship quarterbacks on the roster. And if Novosad does flip, like, hey, we're in big trouble in, in that quarterback room. Uh, Devin Neal also transferring out. And then uh, yesterday, Micah Mazuka, offensive lineman, uh, decides he's going to transfer with three years of eligibility. Kind of was going to be that staple on the offensive line coming back. Uh, would, would be kind of the only starter apart from Gavin Byers on that offensive line. Um, how many spots after these decommitments – after the uh, the recruiting class, how many spots for transfers does Baylor have have left here? Because I know we've we've gotten two commits now in Campbell Barrington Barrington. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. An offensive lineman for BYU commits to Baylor, and then just 30 minutes ago, uh, I saw from you on Bears Illustrated, J- Jarrell Boykins, a defensive tackle, JUCO from Hutchinson Community College, six four two ninety, commits to Baylor. So we've got two commits now. In the transfer portal, how many more spots do we have for for specifically transfers? Uh, specifically transfers, um, the number is naturally going to fluctuate based off how many guys leave uh, after the bowl game. From now until the bowl game versus Air, Air Force, I don't expect any guys to enter the portal. If there is, it's maybe one or two. Um, a majority of the guys who are planning on leaving, it'll come after the bowl game versus Air okay. Force. 
while playing in that bowl game isn't a huge accomplishment for Baylor by any means, it is an advantage for the Bears. It's about a week before uh, most other major Power 5 schools play their bowl games. So they do have a week to kind of work on what guys are leaving and also what positions and what players specifically that are already in the portal that they're interested in. Um, With the two commits, I'll speak on them. Campbell Barrington, I believe he has three years of eligibility left. He is 22 or 23 years old. He's been out of high school for four years or five years now. Uh, It's been five years. He did a mission for three years. Uh, Oh, wow. He's a Mormon faith. And then uh, two years at BYU his freshman year, he was named a freshman All-American by several uh, media outlets. Sophomore year, lost his starting spot. Um, They had another offensive lineman return from a mission and kind of booted Campbell out of a starting spot. But his relationship goes back a few years to his BYU days uh, with Coach Grimes and Coach Coach Mateos. Yeah the offensive line coach and offensive coordinator for Baylor. And, I mean, he's an impact player from day one when he gets to Waco. Um, This is a guy who's likely going to start. He's athletic enough and versatile enough to play any of the five positions. And, I mean, I think this is definitely a preseason All-Big 12 guy for sure. Uh, I think is, you know, where he'll be named. He's immediate help right there. On the other other side of the ball, we have Boykins, who um, announced his commitment to Baylor tonight. He originally had picked Louisiana Tech in his high school recruitment over several other offers. Um, ended up entering the transfer portal after a season there and played at Hutchinson Community College. And, um, you know, this is a guy who is going to be, a, I think, a really good nose tackle for uh, Baylor. I'll, maybe not on a day one starter, but definitely a guy who could end up starting um, by the end of the season. I mean, if you're 6'4", 322, and can move like he can, um, you know, you're going to find an impact somewhere on the field in, in the Big 12. Um, and, you know, I don't think there's someone who can, uh, you know, replace the guys that Baylor's losing in the interior D-line. You know, yeah, those are some of the best that's ever worn the green and gold. But, for sure. you know, this is probably the best that they can get um, realistically. And, you know, I like this I like this get a lot. They beat out Washington State, Colorado, Louisiana, West Kentucky, and several other programs for them. Yeah. Um, and they were able to get him to commit right after uh, the official visit he took this past weekend. Um, so a lot of that is uh, given to the coaches in the trenches, so Mateos uh, and Coach DJ for Baylor, um, Dennis Johnson, sorry. Yeah, meatball, meatball. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, you know, it's the the guys in, in the trenches are really pulling their part right now on the portal. Um I think we'll start to see the skilled players on offense and defense start to get uh, some more love in the portal. Yeah. Um, it's just, you know, some spots are going to have to open up and the staff just has to be patient. What um, can you, what, what can you tell us about anyone else that Baylor is um, going after, or at least can you tell me like positions that, that Baylor's going after pretty hard right now? Yeah. So um, I still believe they're going to get uh, maybe two or three more offensive linemen um, having to replace three of their starters and maybe a fourth possibly leaving as well. Uh, Keytron Jackson is a receiver um, from Arkansas, top 200 player out of, uh, out of high school, signed with Arkansas in 2021. Um, this is a guy who, I mean, his recruitment originally came down to Arkansas and Texas. And, mm. you know, top players in Texas leaving Arkansas, that's a big deal. Um, maybe he didn't like his decision anymore, but since then he's entered into the portal. This is a big body receiver that Baylor has been needing all of last season. And he would provide immediate help. He most likely would be an immediate starter. He's 6'2", 205. Uh, he hasn't been on the Baylor campus yet since entering the portal, but the staff is really trying to get him on campus. Um, this is a guy, I mean, they're absolutely in love with, but a lot of schools are as well. Um, <laughs> you know, 6'2", 205 guys who can run at yeah. the receiver position. Not super common in the portal. And they're going to have to, you know, battle out, battle a lot of other schools for him to, you know, earn his talents, but this is definitely a guy they're interested in. And I think it's a very realistic guy that the bears could land in the portal. Um, some other guys are looking at uh, Dominic Rick- Richardson. He's a running back from Oklahoma state. If uh, might be why that name sounds familiar. He's a class of 2020 guy, a three-star prospect. Um, I think his stock has improved a lot since, uh, you know, originally being a three-star and, you know, with, Two running backs committed and Richard Reese coming back, of course. Um, yep. You know, it could get interesting. Um, 
see if, you know, he chooses to go to Baylor. I think he definitely has a lot of other options as well. Um, and, you know, it'll just be something to monitor if, you know, if he ends up coming down to Waco for a visit uh, to kind of gauge the interest then. Um, but besides receiver and offensive line, um, they originally had three linebackers committed this cycle. Now they're down to one with the decommitment of Torian York and Christian Braithwaite. And, you know, with the high school uh, recruiting class being full, they're going to need to get some linebackers in the portal. So I'd say yeah. they get, you know, one to two more guys, probably try to fill some needs in the secondary and maybe one, maybe two more guys on the defensive line. Yeah. Do you think most of these players that Baylor's going to target here in the transfer are going to be players that see the field immediately? Or is there some part of this that Baylor can say, hey, we might be able to stash this guy for a year, kind of like Josh White last year? Uh, I think it'll be a mix of both. Um, it really just depends on the position where the the receiver room currently, I mean, it's a young receiver room. Yep. And they got Micah Gifford coming in. I don't think he'll start from day one. I think he can end up starting towards the end of the year. Uh, I believe in him that much. Wow. He's that good. Um, he's a bigger body guy. He's 6'2", six 6'3", six around that that area. Um, but, you know, having a receiver room that young, it's gonna it's gonna be tricky trying to figure out if you want to go older guys or younger guys. I know they like Andrew Armstrong a lot out of Texas A&M Commerce. He's now Arkansas uh portal commit. Um, he was awesome, six six guy around two hundred pounds. They absolutely loved him, but fortunately, uh, with the classes he took at Commerce, um, the credits were unable. He wasn't able to transfer unless he was to go back to Commerce for another year. Dang. Um. So, unfortunately, that didn't work out. Um. Dang. But. Uh, with receivers, though, I mean, it, it's it's going to be very tricky in really every other position. Um, yeah. You prefer to get guys younger to where you can kind of tweak them more and work on them more. But also, I mean, when you can get a guy who has one year left that started for several years, you're going to take him. Yeah. So it, it's it's kind of just, uh, I guess they got to get it how they can live it. But, yeah, yeah, I hear that, and, and and certainly Baylor fans will will love to hear about all those receivers that that we're trying to go out and get because I think you know. A lot of people had questions about why didn't we go after any receivers last year, especially, you know, how young we looked out there um, this season. And before I let you go here, Jordan, um, I just wanted to get your quick thoughts on this because I've been just like kind of wondering this transfer portal. So crazy, right? Mm -hmm. Do you think that here in in the next three, two, three years that like your recruiting classes, your high school recruiting classes are going to lose importance or decrease in value? Um, to answer that bluntly, I'd say yes. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the transfer portal brings tremendous values to a lot of schools. Like look at USC from last year compared to now, and that's one year under Lincoln Riley. You know, there's no denying the, the talent you can add to the transfer portal. However, I mean, recruiting is still what builds national championship winning teams. Um, you know, Nick Saban, I don't think since he started winning national championships, he's ever had a non top three recruiting class. Yeah. You know, that means something. You know, and development is a big thing as well. But I mean, at the end of the day, if you can recruit highly, um, you know, you're going to win some ball games if you can coach. And, you know, now with the transfer portal being a thing, the smaller um, you know, market schools or smaller schools are at a disadvantage, you know, with how tampering has been going on uh, with the bigger, I guess, more blue bloods who have, you know, some great NIL uh, collectives and they, they're able to poach players as well. So, you know, nowadays there's this, you know, new new thing going on in college football where you got to recruit your own players even after you sign yeah, there on the roster. That's wild. Um, that's wild. So I think, you know, as we get further into – NIL and the transfer portal, uh, there'll be more and more rules, um, you know, to kind of level the playing field for everyone. Um, but, you know, as of now, it's kind of the Wild West right now with NIL and the transfer portal. For sure. It's like they're both the Wild West and they're both getting like rolled out at the same time. So it's just it's crazy. And I think Wednesday is going to be really fun to watch. I think I think there's going to be some crazy stuff happening for sure. Um, I. You know, I also wanted to ask you, as a guy who who talks to a lot of these high school recruits, how much do you speak talk about NIL with them, and how competitive is Baylor in that NIL, you know, atmosphere? Yeah. Um. So, I mean, with Baylor, and I mean, with, with a lot of high school prospects nowadays that are getting recruited by schools like Baylor, there they are 
um, being offered NIL deals at several different schools. But, you know, one thing I've noticed talking with the guys, even the guys right after they get offered by Baylor is, you know, Baylor talks to these kids for a long time before they, you know, evaluate them and say, yeah, this kid deserves a scholarship offer to Baylor University. You know, they make sure they fit uh, the culture of Dave Randis football program well. And, you know, they don't want guys that are coming for money. They don't. Hmm. They want guys who want to, you know, play for Baylor University and wear green and gold. And they can make money while they're at Baylor University, but they don't want people to pick schools because of that. Hmm. Um, and, you know, getting to getting to cover the commits and the guys that they're actively pursuing, you know, I've met a lot of great kids. Um, and, you know, I'd say it's a very special kind of recruiting market uh, following Baylor. And, you know, you don't get a lot of kids who are super flashy on social media or none of that. Um, a lot of blue collar players as well. And I mean, they understand if, you know, they play well, they can make money naturally through that. Um, and, you know, these are guys who are less, less interested in, you know, kind of the NIL and you can come play here, stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah. So I'm not really sure how uh, competitive Baylor is. You know, I think all every single one of the guys that are in this class, they pick Baylor because of Baylor, not because of NIL. Um, I don't know, several of them that had NIL deals elsewhere and still ended up, you know, staying wow. in Waco. And wow. Well put. Made it a play for the Bears. Well put. That That is exciting and, and, and positive things to hear if, if you're a Baylor fan. Jordan, we appreciate you being with us. Is there anything else you want to add here? Any breaking news? You want to tell us before I let you go? Um, no breaking news. All um, right, all really, right. just these next few days leading up to signing day. Uh, you know there are some late pushes from other schools trying to get our guys. So, really, it's just Baylor. You know, locking these guys down, making sure they're not getting poached. Uh, I think a lot of that was accomplished these past few weeks with the the Baylor coaches going in home with several players. But you know, with guys like Austin Ovisad and Tayshawn Wilson and even Trey Wilson, I mean, you're going to have to recruit them down to when they sign that piece of paper. That's just yeah. how it works nowadays. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see right now. It looks like everyone's, uh, you know, going to sign with Baylor on Wednesday. But in this day and age, you never know how things could go. Never know. Let's hope that's the case. Jordan Scruggs, everyone, recruiting analyst for Bears Illustrated. Jordan, much appreciated. Yes, sir. Hope you all have a good one. All right, let's keep rocking and rolling. Appreciate Jordan joining us and giving us some good info here on what's going to happen with the Bears. Hoping we're going to keep uh, keep a hold on Austin Novosad and that 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 uh, relationship with Coach Bell is going to carry us through to Wednesday. And look, a, a big pickup there on the offensive line. A big pickup at defensive tackle that just happened like 30 minutes ago. Six four two ninety. Right there in the middle, we lost three defensive tackles this year, so wouldn't be shocked if we added even another one. And I think we are going to go hard after offensive linemen as well, and probably a wide receiver. So all good things uh, for Baylor there in the transfer portal. Things you you like to hear and want to hear. And man, just really worried here about about Austin Novosad heading up to Oregon. Things seem pretty serious in that camp. But let's not get down because we have a bowl game. Yes, Baylor football. Finally, it's back. And we've got a chance here to end our season on a high note to um, maybe not end our season here on a four-game losing streak because we are on a three-game skid. And, you know, I, I tweeted out that I was a little bit... Um, disappointed or not excited for the bowl game and simply for the fact that I just I I wanted to play a power five opponent you know I wanted to play a middle tier SEC ACC Big Ten team um, and have that type of matchup and you know what it didn't turn out that way and looking back on it you know what we didn't really deserve it uh, after going six and six and that's the bowl that kind of just fell to us, especially with with the Cheez It Bowl deciding to chew, uh, to take OU, even though they finished way way far down in the Big Twelve. I think Texas Tech should be there. I think they earned it. Um, but you know, 
Bowl games got to make money somehow, and they're certainly going to sell more tickets with OU than they will with Tech. So, you know, guess you can't blame them. But hey, here we are at the Armed Forces Bowl going against Air Force and the 9-3 and Air Force. And to make it, like, make our season ending, I guess, even worse, we've got to go up to Fort Worth and play in Amon G. Carter Stadium where the good old TCU Horn Frogs call home. And that just sucks. That just really sucks because last year they ruined our chance at a playoff in this stadium. This year we are a first down away from ruining their playoff chances and now we have to go up there and play in their stadium. But on the bright side, maybe we can finally get a win in this stadium. There should be a very cool flyover. I am not certain exactly what type of flyover is going to happen, but with it being the Armed Forces Bowl, I would assume that this thing is going to be pretty sweet. So pretty jealous that I'm not going to be there to see that in person, that that flyover. Man, it is going to be a sight to see. So that should be very exciting. And again, free tickets, veterans, active service, men and women. I'll tweet out the link. Get your free tickets. You get four. And then I think you could even buy some for like $30 if you want more. But get your free tickets. It's going to be cold. But you should still go. The weather. Let's talk about that weather. How many Christmases have we had where it's just like 65 degrees outside and like sunny, you know, and you wake up and you want to be in your pajamas, but you just can't do it because it's so dang hot outside. And it's like, finally, finally, we get a Christmas that is going to be just bitter cold. The weather is the the low on Thursday is nine degrees, nine degrees. And the wind chill is going to be insane because it's saying here 25 to 35 miles per hour winds. Insane. Insane. And, and we'll get into the game a little bit more here. But from Baylor's point of view here, uh, like I said, Aranda's going to be calling the defense. I'm excited to see that. And I haven't heard of anyone opting out yet. You know, outside of the the, the guys that are going to transfer out. I have not heard of anyone opting out. If anyone's going to opt out, it's going to be Apu because he's a first-round pick. And, and really, if I'm being honest, he has no business playing in this game. But if he does, I think that just tells you the type of leader and uh, his passion for playing for his teammates and, and for Baylor University. So certainly he's going to help us a lot going up against Air Force. Like I mentioned, 9-3. and three. Uh, S&P Plus has Baylor projected to win. Ha, I've ri- I've protected win. Uh come on Travis. Uh projected to win 27 to 19. So that's that's uh and the line Baylor minus six and a half. The actual line in this game though is Baylor minus five and a half and um Air Force 57th in S P plus overall. Let's talk about this offense here. <laughs> it is a you know if you think Baylor is a ground and pound offense, then I don't know what you would call uh, Air Force offense. Probably a ground and ground and pound because their quarterback has thrown 76 passes on the year. On the year. Over, over 12 games. This is a 117th ranked offense in S&P Plus and they run the triple option. And when I say run the triple option, I mean they freaking run it. Okay? Like, they that is what they are going to do. Like I said, only 76 passing yards, <laughs> passing attempts on the year. And I'm trying to find this link because I want to explain to you the number of passing attempts that they've had in each game. So starting from game one, this is the total amount of pass attempts in each game, 6, 5, 14, 3, 8, 12, 3, again, 9, 13, and their last three games, 2, 2, and 3. And they won all three of those games. 
Against New Mexico, they threw the ball two times, and they won 35-3. Against Colorado State, they threw the ball two times and won 24-12. And then their last win coming against San Diego State, uh, throwing the ball a total of three times. And their, let's see, signature win here is looking like, I guess Colorado is their Power 5 win. Colorado, maybe San Diego State. So, whew, we, we, we got our work cut out for us um, on defense here with tackling, with run fits, with alignment, and maybe that's what we need. Maybe that is exactly what this defense needs after the type of year we've had. We've struggled with tackling. We've struggled with alignment pre-snap. We've struggled with all of that. And here we go against a team that's going to just try to run the ball down your throat the entire game. And when I say the entire game, like the freaking entire game, they are going to run the triple option. And they do not hurt themselves at all. Eighth in penalties in the nation per game at 4.08. So about four penalties a game. This team is is sound, as you would expect from a service academy team in college. They are not going to beat themselves. Four, four penalties a game. Top 10 in the nation. Hazik Daniels at the quarterback. I'll say it again. He's <laughs> 76 passes. That's all he's attempted. He's completed 36 of them for 47.4% completion. So yeah, they don't want to throw the ball. He's got 733 yards on the year. Six touchdowns, two interceptions. And he's got 614 rush yards with seven touchdowns. So, hey, and I was looking at this earlier. He's got two 80-yard touchdown passes. So you take those out, and he's got less than 600 passing yards, which puts his rushing yards above his passing yards. But, gosh, seven, I can't get over. He's only thrown 76 passes, and they're 9-3. and three. That's just crazy. That is insane. Running back, Brad Roberts, 5'11", 215, 308 rushes on the year. My goodness. We compare that to Abram Smith last year. Yeah, we thought we handed the ball off to Abram Smith a lot. He had 257 carries. Brad Roberts, 308 carries. He's got 1,612 yards at a 5.2 average and 15 touchdowns. He is third in the nation in rush yards, second in the nation in rush attempts. And look, he's good. He's not Bijan Robinson. He's not... Uh, Deuce Vaughn, he's certainly not on their level. He's certainly you know, not on the level of, of some of these other running backs in the conference, not on Richard Reese's level. I don't think so. But my goodness, the type of offense they run, he is a hard runner, third in the nation in rush yards, man. Third in the nation. That's wild. They're also going to hand off to running back John Eldridge. He's got 89 rushes on the year. And then the fullback. Hey, fullback's making a comeback here. Making a comeback at Baylor with Dylan Doyle, first team. Uh, second team offense, all Big 12, fullback, Dylan Doyle, baby. But Emmanuel Michelle, he's got 52 rushes on the year for two yards. Uh, mainly going to be used, though, around the goal line in like short, short yarded situations. And then heh, you thought 76 pass attempts was funny. Wide receiver Daniel Cormier. Cor- yeah, Cormier. I think that's right. Ho, 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 Cormier. Uh, 6'3, 225. So good size. But guess how many, guess how many receptions he's got? 13. He's got 13 receptions in 12 games. He's basically getting one reception a game, 384 yards on the year, but he's averaging 29 and a half per catch. So, man, 13 receptions on the year. And they're nine and three. They're nine and three. That, that is, that is amazing. Actually, that is amazing. Switching over to this Air Force defense and Man, kind of impressive, actually. Kind of impressive. I know I know their opponents haven't been, you know, fantastic or anything to get excited about. You know, like I said, signature win was against Power 5 Colorado, pretty much. So, but their defense, I mean, we talk about S&P Plus. This is an opponent-adjusted metric, okay? So, it takes into account how good your opponents are and who you're playing, and yet this Air Force defense is ninth in S&P+. Top 10 defense in the nation, ladies and gentlemen. Top 10. They've got 22 sacks, 9 interceptions. They're 12th in the nation on third down defense. 
They are 12th in the nation on fourth down defense. We all know the Bears like to go for it on fourth down. Ninth in the nation in rush defense. They are are allowing under 100 yards a game at 99.8 yards per game. And get this, second in the nation in pass defense, allowing 156.7 yards per game. So you don't say, oh yeah, well their opponents stink. They haven't played anybody good. Okay, that's a fair point, okay? But you, it is extremely hard to maintain those numbers on defense through 12 games, regardless of, of who you're playing. I think this is really impressive, and they remind, remind me a lot of Kansas State def, of this Kansas State defense, that there's no one that's really going to pop out on tape and just be like, oh, this is their guy that just wrecks the game. No, this is a team that plays sound. This is a team that plays together. This is a defense that does their 1-11th, something we've struggled to do all year, and it shows. Ninth in S&P+, second in the nation in pass defense, ninth in the nation in rush defense. So, look, our offense has has its work cut out for it. Our offensive line has its, has its work cut out for it. And it, it's going to take a great effort by Baylor to go out and win this game. We're, we are going to have to be ready to play. Last bare necessities of the year against Air Force. We got to get this offense behind schedule. We've got to force them into second and long, second and 13, third and 10, downs like that. Because as soon as they fall behind schedule, it's going to be very hard for them in the triple option to get first downs from that far away. We've got to get them off schedule, out of their comfort zone on offense and make this team throw, which I think is going to be hard to do, but we've got to do it. Second is tackling. Tackling. Man, how many times has this been a bare necessity this year and even more important this week? Going against this triple option, going to have to be sound tacklers and wrap up when we get there or this team is going to run all over us. On offense for the Bears, number three, we have to stay on schedule. It's been very difficult for us to convert third and longs. We're one of the worst offenses in the nation in third down conversion. So we've got to stay on schedule because these teams are very similar. We're going to want to run and control the clock. And so whoever, whichever offense is able to stay on schedule, I think is going to have the upper hand in this game. And finally, we've got to capitalize on opportunities in the pass game. How many opportunities have we missed in the pass game in this three-game losing streak? I mean, if we hit one per game, we at least win, probably win two of those last three games. But we've got to capitalize on opportunities in the pass game. When we've got someone open deep, we have got to hit them. We've got to hit them. It just has to happen. Game prediction. Yes, what is your game prediction? I will tell you right now. So, I really haven't thought about how I feel going into this game. So, I'm going to search my feelings now and tell you how I'm feeling right now. And right now, I'm feeling excited. I'm feeling like I want to see the Baylor Bears out on the field one more time this year. I want to see us end this three-game losing streak, end this season on a high note, have some sort of momentum going into the offseason so we don't have as sour of a taste in our mouths, both as a team and as a fan base. And as in the game itself, you know, I'm feeling pretty good about our ability to go out there and win this game. I am a little bit nervous about if we're going to show up, because I know Air Force coming from, you know, um, a very disciplined point of view, coming from a very disciplined culture, they are going to be ready to play. Okay? This would be their signature win 
on the season. Definitely the best team they've played all season. And this is not going to be the best team we've played all season. Not even close. So, yeah, I feel good about our, our, our ability to go out there and win the game. We're certainly more talented, but are we going to show up and be ready to play and want to be physical? Because, again, the low, 9 degrees with 35 miles per hour wind gusts. God bless you if you're going to be at the game. Please stay warm. But this has just a, like, two-and-a-half-hour game both teams just running the ball uh, all game, milking the clock, eight to ten minute drives, just like honestly boring. Like this game could end up being extremely boring. Not for Baylor fans, not for Air Force fans, but literally for any other college football fans, this game is probably going to be boring. And if you don't know what the Sickos Committee is, it's kind of this like college football uh, group that celebrates the games that no one wants to watch. You know, like like Iowa this year. Iowa was a sicko team because they were just so terrible to watch. But they find the joy in that. And this is a Sickos game if I've ever seen it. Like just cold, windy. Both teams ha- are probably not going to throw the ball very well. The game very well could end up like 17 to 14, and I'm not kidding. I could see the score happening very low scoring, especially with the weather, with the wind. Baylor probably not going to take many chances in the air. Remember, we had a windy game earlier in the year at McLean. Didn't go so well for us. Didn't go so well for our quarterback. So, man, this is really going to go down to which team is more physical. And Dave Aranda, he's calling the defense. He's getting the boys prepped. And, I am, man, I am hoping and I am betting that we're going to be ready to play. We're going to be ready to be physical. We are definitely the more talented team. But is our defense going to be able to tackle and play their 1-11th? I say they do a good enough job to win. And I am taking your Baylor Bears to end the three-game losing streak, to end this season with a win. Give me the Bears 23-17. to Got to finish out the year here strong with bowl picks on the year 42, 44, and 2. So just two under 500, and I've got one last chance to get that record above 500. And it's not starting well because I already put one on record. I, I took SMU minus 4.5 versus BYU, and BYU ended up winning the game outright. So I've already got a loss this, uh, this bowl season. Also missed out on Cincinnati versus Louisville. Didn't get that pick in time. I know you guys are all, you know, keeping record of everything I'm doing to make sure I'm not cheating. But, hey, um, we are picking the Big 12 games and the new Big 12 bowl games here. So, hopefully, I get back up to 500. Baylor versus Air Force. Baylor minus 5.5 points. You guys already know my final score prediction. So, I'm taking Baylor. Let's go freaking Bears. Houston versus Louisiana. I don't think Houston's going to show up for this game. So give me Louisiana plus seven points. UCF. Oh, let's see. Houston, Louisiana. Um, Man, I lost that spot in here. I was going to tell you what bowl it was, but all right. I don't, whatever. Um, UCF versus Duke. Again, not sure what bowl this is. Duke minus three points. Um, I'm taking Duke. Uh, but here we go. Okay, Big 12 teams, current Big 12 teams. Wisconsin versus Oklahoma State in the Chase Field Guaranteed Rate Bowl. It's not the Chase Field Guaranteed Rate Bowl. It's just the Guaranteed Rate Bowl. Chase Field is where they're playing it, and those were the first words that I saw, so I went with it. Uh, But Wisconsin versus Oklahoma State, 
Spencer Sanders in the transfer portal, not going to play. And for that reason, I am taking Wisconsin minus three and a half points. Kansas versus Arkansas, battle of the Kansases. Uh, Kansas, heading to a bowl game. Happy for them, good for them. Don't think it's going to go well for them. The AutoZone Liberty Bowl in Memphis, Tennessee. I see Arkansas running away with this one. They are going to be way too physical for Kansas. Kansas just has not been the same ever since their quarterback got hurt, Daniels. So give me Arkansas minus three points. Um, man, I think that's a lock right there. Uh, Texas Tech versus Ole Miss. Pretty pumped to watch this one as well. Tax Act Texas Bowl in Houston, Texas. Mississippi State, not Mississippi State, Ole Miss. Favored by three and a half points. Um, yeah, I'm going to take Ole Miss. Not sure Tech has figured out their quarterback situation yet. Um, but yeah, I'm going to take Ole Miss. Oklahoma going to the Cheez-It Bowl in Orlando, Florida. They are going to face Florida State. Guys, just relax. It's late. It's getting late. I'm tired, so I'm starting to say crazy things. Uh, Oklahoma versus Florida State. Oklahoma is going to get drilled. I don't think they earned it to be there, but I get it. Cheez-It Bowl is trying to make their money. Florida State, minus nine points. Give me Florida State to cover. This will be a fun one. The Alamo Bowl, Valero Alamo Bowl in San Antonio, Texas, facing Washington. Texas favored five by four points. I'm taking Washington. Give me the points. Screw you, Texas. Give me Washington. All right, here we go. Last two here. Alabama versus Kansas State, All-State Sugar Bowl, where the Bears were last year in New Orleans. Pretty, pretty freaking pumped for this one. Alabama minus 6.5 points, and I'm taking K-State. I'm rolling with the Big 12 here. I think they're, they're, they're excited to play this one, excited to show the world what the Big 12 champs can do against perennial power. Alabama, who just missed out on the playoffs somehow, and when I say somehow, I mean they shouldn't have been that close, but it's fine. It's whatever. But yeah, give me Kansas State plus six and a half points. And last here, um, TCU, Michigan, yeah, um, uh, CFP semifinal at the Verbo Fiesta Bowl. And I mumbled there because I didn't want to say TCU. Um, but yeah, I think Michigan is going to um, beat the brakes off of them. So give me Michigan minus seven and a half, and I feel good about those picks. We are going to finish the year above 500. Before we get out of here, one thing I forgot to mention, Richard Reese, Big 12 freshman offensive player of the year, well-deserved, real excited to see him toting the rock here one more time this season, and then for the future in the green and gold for Richard Reese. So congrats to Richard Reese. Sorry I forgot you there at the top of the show. If you're heading to Amon G. Carter Stadium, be safe, stay warm, bundle up, and God bless you because, man, I'm not sure how I could do that. But, man, I am, uh, I'm pumped that you're going to be there, at least. Veterans, active duty, get your free tickets. I've said it three times now i'll tweet out the link again to make sure you've got it but let's finish this season on a high note let's get some momentum here going into into next year let's uh let's cap off this signing class let's not have any last second flips even though that's out of our control and uh hey let's get some guys here in the portal we've we've already got two really good ones coming to baylor this is travis corley saying stay safe Sick Bears. The Please Bear With Me podcast was created by Scotty Swingler, is hosted and produced by Travis Corley, in affiliation with 247 Sports and Bears Illustrated.